0: After the shooting at Oxford High School, Emily Bush says she saw her community plunged into grief, sadness, and anger.
1: While we hoped that it would bring people together in our little town, it has, I think, further fractured an already divided community in some cases, unfortunately.
0: United by grief, but divided by politics, as she sees it. Four kids died that day. Emily's teenage son was there. So what do you do with that? The grief and the wish that no kid in Michigan would ever have to experience fear from mass shootings. Emily Bush's answer is to run for office. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Emily Bush lives in Oxford with her husband and son, who was a freshman at the high school school. In class the day of the shooting last November, Bush is running against Republican Josh Shriver to represent House District 66. There's a goal that Emily talks about a lot as she's campaigning bringing people together. I asked her about bipartisanship in state government at this moment.
1: Well, based on the experience that I recently had, we're coming up on a year of the tragedy here on November 30th. And I think that. We can all agree, and I've talked on when I've been on doors as little as I've been able to do that, um, but I have talked on doors about the fact that we can all agree that kids deserve better than the way the adults in their life are acting right now. (laughs) Um, So I know that that's a tough part to try and find legislation, but when it comes to the examples that both sides are setting right now, I think for their kids, it's not a good one. Um, And I believe that what happened to our little community after the tragedy just magnified the divide here. So um, I think it's we need to get our proverbial stuff together, because if we don't, then we're going to get what we've always gotten.
0: Just yesterday, the teenager who's accused of killing four classmates at Oxford and injuring seven other people pleaded guilty on all charges of terrorism and murder. When he's sentenced, he might face life in prison without parole. We've heard from some parents that this news brought more waves of emotion at a time when Oxford families have had a lot to grapple with. It'll be one year since the shooting in November. And for some, Autumn
1: may never feel the same.
0: Can I ask how you decided to run for office? Was it shortly after the shooting at the high school?
1: No, actually, um... I had never attended a school board meeting prior to our shooting. My son, like I mentioned, was a soft, or a freshman at the time and had been in the district for 10 years since kindergarten. And uh, I attended my first school board meeting two weeks after the tragedy. And it was actually in the months following, December, January, leading into February, that I thought I was going to make a run at school board. We have four seats that are coming up. So it was not an immediate decision. It was, it progressed over time. And by March, I had made the decision after talking to a good friend of mine who happens to be my campaign manager, that it was time to step up and um, do something a little bit bigger.
0: Yeah. Emily, do you mind sharing the story with us about how you found out that the shooting was in progress?
1: Oh boy. Um, I was actually home that day. I'm I'm in outside sales for a a dental company, and I have the luxury some days of working from home covering a large territory. So I happened to be home that day. And a friend of mine who is an MRI technologist at a local hospital over in Clinton Township texted me, and she said, have you talked to Andrew? That's my son. I texted her back, and I said, no, what's going on? And she said she has a daughter that's my son's age, and she said um, my daughter says that there's there's an active shooter, and she said text him right now. So I texted and I asked him what's going on, and as soon as I saw the jumpy bubbles. In the text message thread, I knew he was okay.
0: When we're when we're on our phones and someone is in the process of texting us back, you get uh, that, that's that's a good phrase for it. The jumpy bubbles yep. are just the indication that someone is is responding. Correct.
1: So I called him, and I could tell that he was running. And I said, "Where are you? Where are you? What are you doing?" He says, "I'm running to Meyer," and I said, why are you running to Meyer? What's going on? And he paused and he looked around and I could tell he was shocked trying to gather himself. And he said, I don't know. I see lots of fire trucks. It might be a fire. Maybe there's a fire at the school. And I said, well, can can I come get you? And he pulled the phone away from his face and he yelled to his teacher. He was in orchestra class at the time. And he said, Can my mom come get me? And I heard the teacher say, No, but she can come be with you. So he said, You can come sit with me, mom, but I have to I have to go to the parking lot. And I said, Okay, I'll be right there. And I I jumped in my car and I remember the drive, short five minute drive to the high school. It took me almost 18 minutes to get to my kid because I missed the light cycle three times from all of the emergency vehicles. So anyway, I was sitting at the light, and I don't really know if it had hit me yet what what was really happening. And I was in the left turn lane, and there was a woman in a car next to me, to the right of my car. And she rolled down her window, and she kind of stuck her head out the window. And she said, are you aware of what's going on right now? Huh. And I said, Yeah. And she said, they're saying there's an active shooter at the high school. And I slammed my hands up to my mouth. And she said, Oh my God, I wish I could give you a hug right now. And I said, It's okay. He's okay. I'm on the phone with him texting. And as soon as that interaction happened, I called him right away and I said, Just stay on the phone with me till I get to Meyer. So I stayed with him on the phone until I got to Meyer and he got in my car. So that was, yeah,
0: that was the day. So your son Andrew is a sophomore this year. Is he attending school at Oxford this year?
1: He is. Yep, he's full-time seated. I I say full-time, but like many kids in the school, some can't make it through a full week. Some can't make it through a full day. Um, there have been a few times since school started where he comes up with a reason for me to come get him.
0: Yeah. What do you do when he asks you that?
1: Um, first, I try to, through texting, get to the root of what it is that's bothering him. They The kids are allowed to have their phones, um, and I ask him, I try to provide solutions or alternatives for him instead of coming home. There was one day where he was having a hard time because there was a loud noise in class and he was hyper-focused on that noise. And I think when the kids start looking at each other and seeing that they heard that noise too or that they're troubled, it's just hard to come back from that for a lot of these kids So at one point I said, and he had also had a nightmare, um, at another, another, during another incident, um, the night before, and he was thinking about this nightmare that he had had. So I called his counselor and I said, Hey, um, Mike, can you go and grab Andrew at a school or at a class and see if you can talk him through some of this? He had a nightmare. He's thinking about it constantly, he said, "Absolutely, I'll go down and get him right now." And counselor came down and got my son. They sat in class or in the counseling room together, the office, and he talked him through some techniques that he can use. So I know that the staff is going is consistently going through training, some going through retraining with regard to trauma and how it impacts students and staff. And um, so he ended up staying in school but if it's absolutely a scenario where i think that he just can't bring himself back from the brink i'll i'll go get him emily is there anything that you notice about
0: how people around town relate to each other in politics or just other group decision making i mean i guess anything from how they are in churches or other you know social situations like that
1: Well, it's interesting because being new to politics in general, as I mentioned, I just decided to do this in March, there was a tendency prior in our community to divide by politics. And then once the shooting happened, you found yourself or people have found themselves in what we like to call echo chambers. And even though I tried to form and and I, it's still in place. I would call it an informal parent teacher coalition. There are a lot of teachers obviously that have children in the district as well. And we have become known as the parent group that wants to affect and drive change so that this never happens again in our school which is in our immediate uh, purview, but I think what's happened is since the shooting There have been a lot of articles and things written about the community. And immediately following the tragedy, people talked about how this brought a small, tight-knit, white picket fence community together. And over time, it really has, in some ways, grown the divide, which has made the messaging of my campaign a little bit more difficult. Um, There are some groups that stand by the school and don't you know, want to really dig into what happened that day. It's a move past and move on type uh, attitude. And then you have other groups of parents that want to hold the school accountable. And then you have another group of parents that want to affect change and make sure that there are policies and procedures in place to make sure that this doesn't happen and ensure that this doesn't happen again. So while we hoped that it would bring people together in our little town. It has, I think, further fractured an already divided community in some cases, unfortunately. What would be
0: your approach to try to bring people together if you're elected?
1: I think finding the common ground, which I think a lot of people (laughs) say today is difficult to do. Um, But I know that when I decided to do this, the common ground was making sure that our kids can go to school feeling physically and psychologically safe. That's one thing, and I know it's very—it's somewhat myopic just based on my experience, but in the broader picture of things, if we can agree that we want our kids to grow up in a state and nation where you can talk to each other and be safe, I think that's one of the things I'm I would absolutely amplify.
0: Coming up, can you run for office in Oxford and not talk about guns? More on that after the break. Be right back. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu.
1: Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org.
0: Emily, this era that we're in right now is obviously very informed by the mass shootings that have happened in our schools. But I feel like our political climate is also informed by uh, a current backlash against an approach in the classroom that's informed by a uh, you know social services and and mental health issues i mean people are people are packing school board meetings in michigan right now saying stick to math and reading and let parents do the rest this activism has focused a lot around a lot around books and what's on the shelf in the classroom but at the same time there is an ethos among a certain sector of the electorate that says teachers should just be teaching that's it How are you talking to voters in your district who might have that view?
1: So I think most voters, when I speak to them, can agree that the world has changed. It's not the same world that many of us as adults and parents um, grew up. It's two-parent working homes, single-parent working homes. So the american family has changed thereby the classroom has changed so in our take our our situation for example if you've read about the upbringing of the perpetrator of our tragedy you might learn that his parents largely ignored him for a good portion of his life leading up to the tragedy. And when I talk to voters and I say, you know, you may have a home life where you eat dinner at night, every night at six o'clock and you go to church every Sunday and you take a healthy number of vacations with your family throughout the year. But there are a lot of children who are not afforded those same opportunities, basic things that make them, should make them feel safe. So because the American family and the American way of life has changed so much in the last 30 to 50 years, we absolutely cannot rely on other families to have the same upbringing for their children that say we may have, or this particular voter that I'm talking to may have. And I know as a parent, Having gone through what this community just went through, I know that I don't want to take the chance that another child will fall through the cracks if we are not supporting those children through programs that help them make better decisions, help them develop healthy relationships, provide them with self awareness, and show them how to be socially aware of their peers and how to manage their own emotions and reactions to things. I'm not willing to take that chance should those things be missing from my child's education. And they shouldn't either. I think some people
0: might hear about the experiences that you've had as a parent in Oxford and hear that you're running for office and assume that this race is about guns for you. Are you concerned about gun laws and regulations in Michigan?
1: I'll be honest, at the beginning of this campaign, I didn't want to touch on it. And I've been very open about this. I didn't I didn't want to make it part of this platform, my political platform. But not long after I decided to do this, Buffalo happened. Uvalde happened. Highland Park happened. And it keeps happening over and over. And I hear the argument from people that are strong gun proponents that while well, it's happening every day on the streets of Chicago and the streets of Philadelphia, it's happening everywhere. Well, you're also making my point by pointing that out that we do, I do think we have an issue with a toxic gun culture in this country. And when it comes to responsible gun owners, They should be shouting just as loudly from the mountaintops that we need to have sensible gun reform because they understand the importance of gun safety. So while it wasn't a focus for me at the beginning, it has become part of my platform because it just keeps happening. You mentioned the fact
0: that you feel like the community is more polarized in some ways, I wonder what do you see among the kids that you know? Do they feel that as well? You
1: know <laughs> I'm going to say I I don't know that I see it with the kids and and my my son over the last couple of weeks and this may sound weird but he's had a couple of opportunities to go with large group of boys to go pay, play paintball, right? How how awkward does that sound we know what that involves running right. around in the woods and so that's but in that group of kids playing paintball i'm acutely aware because of this endeavor where those a lot of those kids um parents stand and these kids run around and have fun and and they don't care they don't they don't mind um and so there are, are things about the way that kids are conducting themselves since this that give me hope.
0: Emily Bush, she's a candidate for Michigan House District 66th in its new form after redistricting, and that includes Oxford, Michigan. Emily Bush, thank you so much for talking to us. We really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you for the time of April. I really, really appreciate this opportunity.
0: After my conversation with Emily Bush, we have invited the Republican running to represent the 66th House District, Josh Shriver, to talk to us. We hope to have him on the show soon. And that's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes for streaming at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Mercedes Mejia. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Cavansag and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We're glad to have you along. See you next time.